0: Welcome to the Resources for Integrated Care webinar, Providing Culturally Competent Care, Meeting the LTSS Needs of Duly Eligible Beneficiaries. This podcast is excerpted from a webinar presented live on April 12, 2018. In this podcast, Darcy Graves, Special Assistant to the Director at CMS's Office of Minority Health, provides an overview of culturally competent LTSS for beneficiaries duly eligible for Medicare and Medicaid.
1: Good morning and good afternoon, everyone. Um, We can go ahead and go to the next slide, which offers just uh, a little bit of a framework of how we look at things with here uh, at CMS and at the CMS Office of Minority Health about how we're going about trying to achieve health equity, and it really kind of focuses in on increasing understanding and awareness of disparities, developing and disseminating solutions to address those disparities, and then implementing sustainable actions. And where that kind of comes into today's presentation is um, in an, for an organization to be culturally and linguistically appropriate, they need to understand and be aware of those that they are serving. The solutions that they develop need to be culturally and linguistically appropriate. And then obviously you hope that the sustainable actions are also uh, in line with your stakeholder or uh, community needs. So uh, there's always a lot of talk. When we talk about cultural competency, what does that mean? So when we go to the next slide, you'll see a very uh, wordy uh, academic definition of, of cultural competency. And I won't read this to you, but what I really want to key in on is that cultural competency is the ability to work and effectively communicate in cross-cultural situations. And as one of my good friends and colleagues likes to say, every situation is a cross-cultural situation. We are a very diverse uh, country. We are a very diverse world. And we move around so much more than we ever did before. So when we're interacting with new people, we have to sort of assume that we're in this new sort of cross-cultural setting. So, but what does that mean or what does that look like? So when we move to the next slide, we're talking about, Culturally linguistically appropriate services. And this is really how I see when you operationalize cultural competency, this is what it becomes. And again, I'm not going to read the definition to you, but what I want to note is that culturally linguistically appropriate services aren't additional services, they're making sure the services you are providing are culturally and linguistically appropriate. So it's not, it's not an add-on, it's looking at your daily routine, your daily activities, and really seeing how it can be tweaked to be more inclusive, more, um, have a higher recognition of the various uh, individuals or community needs that you may have. So, and in that vein, as we move to the next slide, uh, and we're thinking about you know, well, we talk about culture. What does that include? And this is a Venn diagram. It's a model that I developed for a, a presentation, a workshop that I gave a number of years ago when I was still working at a medical school in the Midwest. And the reason I use this model to talk about culture is because all too often when we talk about culture, we talk about it in silos. We talk about race and ethnicity, we talk about gender, we talk about whether they're in a rural community or an urban one, but we tend to forget that intersectionality—that um, we now that word that we now use uh, a lot of—but uh, really, it's this Venn diagram. We can't, uh, you know, tease apart a African American woman's perspective. We can't tease apart if someone identifies as a bisexual Latino male. All three of those elements or all two of those elements impact the way that an individual receives and perceives information, and so you know those are all the different things that we have to take into account when we talk about culture. Then we would move to the next slide. Uh, one of the things that we also talk about in in the definitions of cultural competence and in operationalizing culturally and linguistically appropriate services is points of contact, and often when we talk about making sure something's culturally appropriate, we target right at that, uh, you know, we go straight to the clinician, uh, provider, patient, beneficiary, resident sort of perspective, you know, that what happens within the four clinic walls um, or within the clinical encounter, and it's really so much more than that because when an organization, no matter what you're doing, interacts either passively or actively with stakeholders um in a myriad of different ways and this slide just kind of highlights a few of them. You know, how do they learn about your organization? How do they help differentiate your organization from your competitors? Uh if they call and try to make an appointment, uh are they able to do that? You know, is the facility appropriate? Um do non clinical staff also have training in in cultural and linguistic competency to make sure that they're aware of how to interact with individuals from different uh, cultural or language backgrounds so now that we've kind of laid that very quick foundation um, I just want to provide a couple of examples of what class can look like and so we'll move on to the next slide Uh, this comes from the the HHS office of minority health as opposed to the CMS office of minority health has a set of standards that help uh, organizations operationalize cultural competency and they're called the national standards for culturally and linguistically appropriate services in health and healthcare also known as the national class standards and so these examples come from those standards but again it's um So that's where these examples come from if you want to learn more about them. But again, that first one, it's about establishing culturally and linguistically appropriate policies, not a policy on cultural and linguistic competency per se, but are the policies on how you do outreach or how you treat a patient or how you interact, are those themselves culturally and linguistically appropriate? Um, We can go on to the next slide. you know we're talking about doing assessments and looking at data, and I'll talk a little bit more about data in just a in just a moment, but you know knowing what we know that first part of that that path to health equity you know being understanding and awareness and then we move on to the next slide uh, and here we are um looking at looking at the data so um uh, You know, this graph, and this is so I'm going to kind of contextualize from a dual beneficiary perspective, and then we'll drill down a little bit further into dual beneficiaries, dual eligible beneficiaries who work, um, who are utilizing LTSS. And so this first graph shows a gradual shift in the age distributions. that have happened between 2006 and 2016, and all of these, the first three graphs I'll show you all come from a data analysis brief that's on the um, MMM, the MMCO website. Uh, that I'm sure we can get the link to to you. When we go to the next slide, uh, and the next two slides show you know, help illustrate the gradual shift in the race, racial and ethnic composition of dual beneficiaries between 2006 and 2016. So this slide uh, kind of gives you the overall perspective, and then when we go to the next slide, you essentially see that zoom in. So this slide is the same as the previous one, except that it excludes uh, whites, so that you can get a better uh, get a better view of these uh you know African American, Hispanic, Latino, Asian, and Northern American Natives. So uh then uh quickly transitioning to the to the next slide um and I realized as I was preparing my talking points for this I could have made this slide a little bit more clear but um so to contextualize this slide of dual beneficiaries do not currently um, utilize or partake of LTSS, but 23% do. And this table represents those 23% of duals that are using some sort of LTSS and the racial and ethnic breakdown um, within those those groups. And so when we look at it by uh, LTSS uh, type, you know, we look at home health or personal care settings, 6% of that 23% uh, use uh, home health, 8% of that 23% use nursing facility services and um, or uh, and institutions, and then 1% uses other sorts of LTSS. And then uh, before I turn it over to the next speaker, I just want to highlight a couple of the resources on this next slide. Um, that we at CMS, uh, CMS Office of Minority Health have done. These are all part of our uh, building an organizational response to health disparities uh, portfolio, and they're all available on our website, which is go. dot. Uh, uh, cms. dot gov slash omh.
0: Thank you for listening. This podcast is presented by the Loon Group and is supported through the Medicare-Medicaid Coordination Office at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. MMCO is dedicated to helping beneficiaries enrolled in Medicare and Medicaid have access to seamless, high-quality health care that includes the full range of covered services in both programs. To support providers in their efforts to deliver more integrated, coordinated care, MMCO is developing technical assistance and actionable tools based on successful innovations in care models. To learn more about our current efforts and resources, please visit our website or follow us on Twitter for more details. Our Twitter handle is at integrate underscore care.